This is Andy Gutierrez from StarWars.com, and you are listening to Coffee with Kenobi with Dan Z. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. Joining us today for a cup of coffee to talk about Rescue on Ryloth, the 12th episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. First, let's bring in Tom Gross. Hello, everybody. It's great to be here again to talk about The Bad Batch. Man, I can't believe we're on, what, is this episode 12? Yeah, I believe Woo! so. Nice. Episode 12, yep. And we just got uh, four more to go. Our other host joining us tonight, he is a returning guest to Coffee with Kenobi. It's been far too long since we've had him on, the one and only Blake Weaver. Dan, Tom, it's great to be back. Um, I'm happy you kept my coffee warm for me. It's been a while, but it still tastes good. And I'm really excited because, you know, we got probably one of my favorite episodes of the season of Bad Batch so far. We get to dissect tonight. I'm really looking forward to uh, expressing my thoughts, but even more so to hear what you guys thought. Great. Well, I, one of the reasons I want to have you on besides it's just always fun to chat with you is that I know that for you, uh, the Bad Batch has been kind of hit and miss. Is that fair to say? Yes, it, it has been very hit or miss. It, it started off very strong for me, um, probably toward the mid part of this first season. It's been it has been a hit or miss with a lot of these episodes. Um, I don't like using the word filler, but there have been some episodes that people have considered filler that I've struggled a little bit with. Um, but overall, I, I, I am enjoying the show very, very much. Where I would rank it among Clone Wars and Rebels, I can't say yet. I mean, the series, uh, season one is not even over yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, even though it has been a hit or miss, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm loving the characters. And I think tonight's discussion will, will really bring out the best of what this show has to offer as far as the, the beautiful characters that Lucasfilm has, has given us with this show. I love it. Well nice. said, well said. Well, that that's a tough one to follow, Tom, but I'm going to throw it back to you. As always, <laughs> give us an overview of the episode and your letter grade. All right. Well, so I I started writing this reaction um, it's literally at, at the conclusion of my first time watching the episode. So it has changed a little, but I did want to give a true initial reaction um, and this, so this is, this is at the end of my first viewing, I've seen it twice. So my initial reaction, I gave it a B. Um, oh. I felt like the episode was a little flat, um, especially considering that it is, it has a title with so much potential. I mean, rescue on Ryloth. I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but apparently after my first viewing, I was expecting more and it is the fifth episode from the end. So I thought we would be sort of ramp, like a bigger ramp up to maybe uh, hints at a conclusion or whatever. Um, but with that said, I thought there were some really key pieces of dialogue in this and some, um, Oh, I don't know. Some other just bits here and there that, that made, made it become a B grade. Um, but I will say after my second viewing, um, my grade would be a little bit better. But let's talk about it, and then I'll, I'll tell you how it changes for me as we go. Oh, so we have kind of a, of a, of a teaser trailer for your final, final grade. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right. Blake, what about you? Overall letter grade and uh, overall comments on the episode as a whole? My thoughts are very similar to Tom's. Um, I give this episode a B plus. Um, I feel plot wise, like Tom said, it fell a little flat. Um, you know, this was basically it, it, the plot was just a rescue mission and it, it, it carried it out in a very generic way. 
there's at no time in this episode that I felt the Bad Batch River in any real danger during this mission. It was very straightforward. Um, not that that's a bad thing. I mean, it was still very fun to watch and beautiful to see, as it always is. But yeah, plot-wise, I wanted a lot more. I feel like they all the plot was was thrown on us last week. And say we were just picking up from that and, and doing what we needed to do. But uh, um, the reason I give it a B plus, though, is because, again, the, as I brought out earlier, the character moments in this were just just beautiful to me. Um, so that keeps it keeps it up there. It's a B plus. I can't give it an A. Maybe after hearing uh, what you guys uh, say it could go up. Maybe it'll go down. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, <laughs> so, solid B plus for me. Interesting. All right. I'm going to give this one an A minus. Pure, purely, be, purely because I've always liked that it's a little bit different. Purely because I had a lot of fun. This might have been the most fun from oh. start to finish episode, and and, and I like you know that's I mean we all like to have fun with Star Wars. Yeah. I do agree with both of you that at no point did I ever feel like there was was legitimate tension or peril, except for with the clones, which we'll get to. Yeah, I never was worried about any of the main characters, and I didn't feel like there was a ton of cost involved because. Again, this is the second or third time this has happened in the series, but it's called Rescue on Ryloth. So I already know they're going to be rescued before it even starts. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see so what you're saying. I, I was like, okay, well, there's nothing to be worried about. I mean, one of the things I've loved about the Bad Batch is that consistently there's at least one moment of legitimate peril, tension, and suspense. And that wasn't available in this, but I was okay with it because I had so much fun. And Chopper was magnificent. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the, this episode overall. I mean, not overall. We're going to break it down more specifically naturally as we do every week on Coffee with Kenobi. Uh, the opening shot, I thought, Tom, a gorgeous example of how far Lucasfilm was coming with animation. To me, this opening sequence looked like a Macquarie painting, just the the shuttle flying into the city. Yeah, that was great. I mean, they they have been they've done a great job in this whole season of mm-hmm. kind of those those gasps of air at a at a beautiful beautiful. I mean, when they came into Raxus and last week, it really both what, did they start in Ryloth last week too? I think they did. I believe so. Um, so yeah. a very similar uh, opening, and uh, and yeah, and you had to look carefully because I think a lot of times from behind these. Imperial shuttles look a lot like, and now I don't remember. Is it? It's not the Marauder. It's it is it is the Marauder. It is the Marauder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I noticed in this episode though the 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 body of it when you look at it from behind the shuttles from behind the bad bat the Marauder is is thinner uh, up and down. It's thinner, whereas the Imperial shutters sh- shuttles have a thicker body top to bottom. Yeah. But so, you know, I took a close look at that and and you see it's Ryloth and you know, as you mentioned with the title, that's where we're headed. But uh but yeah, and then opens with um Rampart. Yeah, and, and interesting. I like that when it first is open, there's a part of you, at least part of me, and I know Blake, you're a big original trilogy guy as well. They think that looks like a shuttle Tidarium or an Imperial shuttle, but it's not. It's hard to know who's on what side. Just yeah. a quick glimpse, which is a yeah. nice kind of a snapshot into what this whole one of the themes about this episode is yeah but you mentioned rampart um to me he is blake he is absolutely strutting at this point in his young um role of leadership with the empire uh he, he talks to cham and taunts him and calls him he goes says the liberator of ryloth to the traitor of ryloth what what do you make of rampart rampart is a very straightforward imperial he he is he is as original trilogy imperial 
as you can get. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we'll be seeing any uh, good side to this character. Um, he's made his, mm -hmm. his his loyalties well known, and he's not afraid to to use this uh, this new imperial army to to spread fear, to uh, do whatever dirty deed he needs to do to to continue. Uh, uh, conquering and, and growing, and um, I think he's a fantastic character. Ever since we were first briefly introduced to him earlier on the season, I knew this character. I just had the, the feeling, the vibe he gave off. He was going to be a, a very strong presence, and we definitely felt that in this episode with that that opening scene and that opening dialogue. I'm glad to hear that because when I first saw him earlier in the season, I thought he's just going to be um, a like a, a face of the Empire. He's going to be a puppet, and he's not going to have any real teeth, but he does have a lot he's kind of he's kind of a jerk really uh, <laughs> he taunts uh, eleni I, I i continue i even rewound it like three times to hear them pronounce her name <laughs> yeah and i'm having like severe stage fright because of course you know <laughs> um, but she he says to her you know you're the sensible one talk some sense to your husband she says i have seen how you treat your allies i would rather be your enemy i love that it's a great example of where one of the ways that hera gets her strength um, but, but it's nice to see, the, see them united. I'm not, I'm not sure what much more there is to say about that little interrogation scene, but is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I accept that. I, Blake, I completely agree with you. I think Rampart is turning into a great character. And it makes me think that the Empire has a leadership academy where one of the one of the uh, classes is being a jerk 101. Yep. And and <laughs> mental and like mental pain because his his approach is very, and I don't want to say he's on this level, but he's very Thrawn like. He's very cerebral in mm. his in his in his uh, uh, his approach. You know, when he walks into the and he and he says the quote that you said, Dan. You know, from liberator to what was traitor. it um, to traitor tra to traitor. I mean, that that's very cerebral. That's very mental. That's like playing with with who you are and. And I just, I don't like the way that feels. Um, and then without even saying Hera's name, he mm -hmm. mentions your daughter. And I love the, sh like, we've talked about the animation so much and it is, and it, but it's worthwhile to talk about because when he says your daughter, they do, I want to say it's, it, well, including the close up shot on Rampart, when he mm -hmm. says that, it shoots to Cham raising his eyebrows and like, how dare you, you know, how, in a, how dare you? And then they go to Hauser in a like shock, like, what are you going to do to her? Like, you know, and we, we start to see this, this and we, we saw hints of it last episode where Hauser is showing loyalty to Cham, but being loyal also to his brothers, it's clones. And so that continues to grow here. So speaking of clones and brothers, Hauser shows up. He's quickly becoming um, a very popular clone in the Star Wars fandom, I believe. But he, I love how he talks, Blake. I like how he talks to Rampart. Um, he, he tries to speak truth of the assassination. He says, you know, I was there. there this, is, this story that we're telling isn't right. Uh, he even offers to leave and go after her himself. To me, Blake, Hauser is a really brave guy. But talk about the conversation the two of them have, how they treat one another. Yeah, I'm I'm really starting to love this Hauser character. I mean, we've only seen him for two episodes now, um, but like you said, the community is really grasping onto this character and what he represents. And um, with that conversation, you really do see 
the conflict I, I felt within Hauser, you know, he, he's witnessing all this, this terrible stuff going on around him. Um, he, he somewhat knows, you know, the Imperials are, are scummy people. And um, yeah. you, you just see a lot of conflict within this character. That's all I can really say about that conversation. Mm-hmm. But um, and, but you see that 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 um, he's not trying to play both sides, but still just a conflict throughout this episode till the very end that he doesn't really maybe know what to do right now. There and mm-hmm. um, and of course he's in front of this um, Rampart character who Tom. I'm happy you said uh, he remind you of Thrawn because I was actually thinking the same thing as we began to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this clone tripper now in front of this, uh, um, you know, very intimidating Imperial. He's, he's, he could be scared for his life and his, his brothers there on the planet. So, so not, not much I can take from the conversation, but, but just the, 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 the contradiction between the two characters was pretty interesting to watch. It's great. And I like Hauser's very, he's, he's really walking a nice tightrope, isn't he? Because he, he was trying to be loyal to his duty, to his, mm-hmm. yep. to his men, to the cause. But he's also like, well, let's be reasonable. I mean, it stands to reason that when Hauser talked to Jedi, he could have did this. He could have said this and and possibly yeah. helped to influence uh, future decisions and future yeah. things that they did. I want to point this out really quickly. I don't think I did last week. But does Hauser have the coolest hair of all the clones? I think it's super <laughs> cool. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, I think so. You know, something else crazy. Did you know, and I found this out today. That Stephen Stanton, the great Stephen Stanton, is the voice of Admiral Rampart. Really? It's not oh, amazing. I did not he is such a that. he is such a tour de force, isn't he? He's great. Indeed. Speaking of great, we go we see the we right away we know, oh, we're gonna get way more bad batch than we did the last episode. Omega's fixing Gonky. I don't remember him ever being called Gonky, but there you have it. <laughs> uh, that's his name. That's his name now. That's his, definitely his name now, but it says um they say he's a defective unit or something like that. And she says, aren't we all? Which I love. But then, uh, Tom, both Tech and Hunter, Hera, want, Hera sends out a distress signal. Yep. She knows the, the, the code. And so Omega gets it, and she wants to help them. But talk about how Tech and Hunter treat Omega and their their opinion of what they should do. Oh, okay. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm looking at my notes. This is this when they are. I can down, refresh your memory if you is want. Is this down on the? Is this down on the planet? Like no, after it's on, they, it's on the ship before they decide to go. Okay. Yeah. Help me out here. Well, Tech says, very just matter of fact. Children often overreact to situations, and then Hunter says we can't put ourselves on the line every time someone is in trouble. Mm. Yeah, they so it, it kind of goes back to you know a couple episodes ago when when uh, when she bailed them out monetarily from Sid, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Hunter had sort of agreed, "You're part of the team. We're not yeah. going to leave you behind again." Well, this moment has kind of revert like he's kind of taking that back, and and they're kind of treating her like a kid again. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what tech ends up doing when he says, well, she's just a child. Children can overreact to things like this. And, you know, and, and so it's just, it, it, it's possibly an overreaction. So there Omega know your place is, is the message from tech. And then Hunter backs it up. And I just go back to that, that moment in SIDS when, Hunter gives him or uh, Wrecker gives him that shoulder and looks over his shoulder at him. Like, I can't believe you just said that to her. 
Um, and so I, I felt like that in this, in this scene, like, how can you guys be saying this kind of thing to Hera or to Omega when you just met and you just realized that you're selling arms to people to try to liberate a planet. And now the little girl is calling for help. That's not overreaction. Yeah. And so I, I feel like they're, they're underestimating the, the call here. And by the way, I wanted to say that I, I wanted to do the call out of the, um, the throwback to the, the original trilogy here with the I, Omega saying, I need your help in a transition transmission that reminded me so much of Leia bending down to oh, R2D2. Cool. And you know, and you know that she's bending down to Chopper in a very similar way. Good call. I hadn't thought about that. Blake, do you feel like it was out of character for Hunter? I mean, Hunter has been fairly consistent, but the fact is, like, we can't put ourselves on every time somebody's in trouble. Is this out of character, or is this kind of match up with what we know about him? I, I think it matches up with him because um, we have to realize he, he's been on quite a long journey now since since episode mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, things have have molded this character, and he's not I, I, he's not acting in a negative way. Actually, I think he's being somewhat reasonable. Um, but actually, I wanted to talk about Omega's response to all this. Dan, you had that, I don't want to mess up the line. Do you, do you have that written down? What, how she responded to them about uh, soldier, uh, soldier's duty? It's a soldier's duty. And, and, um, and she said, that's her friends or that's her family. I would do the same for you. Well, even bef- before that, she, yeah, she says, about, that, isn't that what soldiers do? Yeah, yeah. that's what soldiers do. After Hunter I, says that. Yeah. That was my very first big, uh, character moment that stuck out to me this episode. Um, because at their core, even though they have changed, well, not changed, but they have grown a little bit, um, uh, adapted, uh, at, at their core, these are still soldiers. And, um, I thought that line was pretty powerful. Omega's response, because we see that in, uh, everyday heroes though. I mean, look at your first responders, look at, uh, your policemen, your, uh, the military, even though they may not want to jump into a certain situation, it is their duty yep. to do so. And, and, having a brother who uh, my brother Ian, who uh, used to be a um, volunteer paramedic up in Maryland. Uh, it's, it's just in him. It's in the, the people he worked around that, you know, you just do what you got to do. Hmm. And th- yep. they realized that when they heard Omega say that, and it sparked what they originally, that, that fire that had him to respond to uh, Hera's uh, call for help. Very interesting. Yeah. Very well said. I, I think, um, at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think this is in character for Hunter. He still is waffling on what he's going to do. But I think ultimately the reason he's doing this, the reason he says that he's not going to stick his neck out on a line every time somebody's in trouble, I think in his gut he doesn't believe that. What I think is happening, I don't think he's being controlling. I think he's being a parent. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to keep Omega safe. I really mm-hmm. do in his own way. And I, and I can't fault him for that, but, but I do think, uh, tech is a little surprisingly dismissive, but I guess we've kind of come to know that about him, but ultimately they do agree because Omega is very persuasive. And so we found out that Harris hiding out at, at Cham's old command post, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. Uh, and we, we go back to Rampart, uh, and, um, he basically it's he and let's see. I wrote down Rampart as manipulator. Uh, oh, yeah. When he talks when he, when he talks to the crowd, Tom, uh, I really like that scene. It's, it's certainly not unheard of in Star Wars to see someone in a position of power 
high up, literally and figuratively, uh-huh. address the masses and manipulate them. Talk about the psychology of manipulation that we see here. Well, I mean, it's it's a really powerful scene, even though it's only like 10, 15 seconds. Uh-huh. And and he lies to them, right? I mean, he's he, Todd's not going to live. He's shot in the head. He's dead, right? And so he's, you know, what you're hearing is that he's he's trying to give them hope. And we know, we know that it's a lie. Is he? But, I uh, thought he was, I thought he was still, I thought he was actually okay. Oh, we, I'm we, a, I don't think I we have confirmation I, that he's dead. I, th- I, I think, I guess, I don't think we have confirmation on, on either end of that. Either way. Yeah. yeah I think okay. he's just trying to say that Cham did it. Okay. Well, right. Yourself. I guess, I guess I assumed that, <laughs> that he, he was you were dead. Because yeah. he tells you love Warren Frita. You don't want anything to happen. To right. Well, that's it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just assume when he said when he said to Orrin Frita after the, he was shot, he said, "Thank you for doing your part," which I assumed was dying. Um, or, but maybe, like, maybe it know, was just being just a being, patsy. Thanks for letting yeah. yourself get shot, even though you didn't sign up for this. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he manipulates the information and and says that it's it's Cham that did it, and you know your your hero is who, you know, tried, attempted to assassinate your senator. And you don't hear the jeers anymore. But I also did notice the crowd was not nearly as thick as it was in the original. Uh, when, when they, you know, when, when Cham came up with Hauser and all, and the senator talked. Um, so it was a more scattered crowd who'd been summoned or mustered. And so maybe they just may, maybe this crossed my mind in that 15 second bit, did they just muster the loyals hmm. and come out and send out this misinformation? And, uh, and now we're starting to see a change in public opinion potentially, but yeah, I, I think it was it, as short as it was, it was super intentional to give us this feeling that the empire is getting a hold. And super intense too. Uh, yeah. I, I like that Ram, I, when Rampart said one line stuck out to me when he said, uh, the attack has left you shaken. And the, the way they're all looking at him, they're all looking skeptical and kind of annoyed and, and waiting to see what in the heck this <laughs> nightmare is going to say. I, I feel like the people who are there are almost like morbidly curious and trying to see and hope there's still a, like a oh. shred of hope inside them that this is going to turn around. I, I feel like, they're really okay. loyal. I feel like obviously Ryloth is a place the Empire's gonna have a hard time with. And they will for a long time. Uh so I don't know. I, I really like your analysis of that time. And that's kind of the fun of this. Even though it's a quick sequence, we don't really know. But yeah. so it's fun to have these kind of conversations. Speaking of fun, I talked about this on our Facebook Live uh this week, but a probe droid shows up. That's all I want yeah. to say. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. I mean, I love probe droids. Uh, Blake, talk about that super cool scene. Yeah, we have now the uh, the Bad Batch. They they've shown up. They they've answered uh, Hera's call, and there they are scouting out. Uh, uh, looks like the the main part of the the city there. And lo and behold, an Imperial probe droid sneaks up on them, and you know it's a probe droid because of that sound effect. I think you may even hear the sound effect before oh, you yeah. see it. Uh-huh. But, but uh, that that sound effect we all know and love so much from uh, you know that like the one we saw in Hoth in Empire, and yeah. um, you see there that they're they're <laughs> scouting it out. But then um, Hunter is the one who takes notice of of the probe droid, and he kind of he's like, "Guys, I'll be right back." And before you know it, the probe droid's got a knife in his face. 
Uh-huh. And it was it was a it was a pretty cool sequence just between the throwback um, sound effects. What this show has been doing a lot, mm-hmm. which I've really like you said, Dan, at the beginning. I'm an original trilogy fan, you know, till the day I die. And uh, just to hear all those old sound effects still being used in in a, in a modern way has been uh, uh, really cool to see in here. I love it. It's so cool that uh, yeah, the move with the his little Rambo knife and jumping from the top, and but the pro droids never really fail on their missions. They always get those pictures and send them over really, really, really quickly. They would make great paparazzi, I think, the pro droids. <laughs> um, and then we see yeah. Crosshair again, Tom. Finally, we, we see Crosshair again. And I, I don't know about you two, but for me, this episode was the first time I thought, yeah, I kind of like Crosshair. He's kind of cool. Uh, he's really intriguing because he wasn't like just angry, bitter. He, I think seeing Crosshair fail a couple of times it's sort of, mm-hmm. I'm not rooting for him, obviously. I want him to lose. I want him to turn good. But it makes him a little more um, fascinating, the fact that he's not just like this T2 or you know Terminator or whatever have you. Yeah. Um, so Hauser again talking with them and Rampart very calmly says, peace has a price, you know. Uh, but he's like, well, but nobody's fighting. What, you know, what, what's going on here? And then Crosshair makes this cool assumption that or not assumption, but he figures out that the bad batch is here. He actually admits they're more dangerous than you realize. Tom, what are your thoughts on Crosshair in this episode? I agree. I 100% agree with you. He is he's becoming super cool as a as an imperial villain. Um, I I think he's. I'll be honest with you, and this is just where I stand. And I obviously things could change where I will change this idea, but I feel like he's beyond he's beyond hope. Oh. In fact, I feel like I feel like Wrecker even feels that way. Wrecker in this episode, when they and and I'm I'm not sure where we are in the timeline of the episode, but there's the there's the moment where Omega sees sees um, Crosshair through the binoculars and when they're looking down in the courtyard, and um, and uh, Hunter calls calls the meeting. He does the gesture with his hand, and the four of them get together, uh, and Omega and Harris stay over, and. And uh, Wrecker says, we ought to just fly in and blow them up. And someone else said, and, and Echo says, this is a military occupation. This isn't a separatist planet. Now, yeah. it doesn't necessarily answer the question about um, Crosshair, but but that's that's kind of where I am. I'm kind of like, we're done trying to save Crosshair. And I think one by one, they're, they're starting to fall as well. And I think Wrecker's there. But... 100% agree with you. Hunter or uh, uh, Crosshair is becoming a definite uh, threat feel. There's a moment in this episode, and I, I wrote it down, but I don't, I'm not seeing it right now, where he looks up, and it might be from this episode or from this scene that we're talking about when they're observing him. He looks up, and I swear, I mean, he's got now that green tint throughout his helmet that, that mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of poison, yeah. which is how I feel. You know, kind of like he's been poisoned by the chip, nice. and now he is like dangerous. But he looks up, and I'm telling you, it's almost like Pedro Pascal and doing acting with the Mandalorian helmet on. Huh. He looks up there, and I feel like he can see through everything, and he can see them without actually seeing them, which just scares the heck out of me. 
And he now has his own little musical sound. I mean, it's not like the Imperial March, but it's this electric low beat that when he looks up or makes eye, you know, he gives a look, it, it's like a burn, burn, burn. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you want to just run. It's great. I, I think I think this episode really defined crosshair very, very well. I actually like your points way better than mine. Uh, I, and I'm glad that, and I'm glad that you brought up the fact that this isn't a separatist planet. Um, and, and like, they're starting to connect dots. Yeah. This whole separatist Republic thing is over. It's all about the empire and nothing. And people are, you know, we all take it for granted because we know the history of star Wars, but in the context of what's happening in the story, this is a new concept for people. Yes. The, the, the good guys who are, you know, ostensibly the Republic, have gravitated towards a new name, but there's so much more to it than a new name. It's an outward, instead of being evil behind the scenes, they're very much affronting everyone and trying to do it with a smile. Whereas, it's one thing I've always sort of liked about the Empire, not what they do or how they do it, but just as as villains. But then in another aspect of this, uh, the First Order, they're just mean, and they don't even try to hide it. So the Empire uses charm and, and stuff like that, and it's a little bit crazy. Uh, Tom, you also brought up like when we see Cross- Crosshair, and you alluded to the music. The music, I think, in this episode cool. is about as good as it gets. Uh, I wrote down mm-hmm. a number of times. This music is so powerful. Um, Blake, you want to talk about the music, or should we just jump into Hera and her plan? Um, I won't. Well, I'll, I'll talk about the music because I want to talk about Crosshair really quick too. Because yeah, please, please. Uh, he he has he has been actually my favorite. Bad Batch members since I first saw them in uh, Clone Wars. Mm. Um, I mean, how could you not like the cool sniper guy? I, I, <laughs> I, right. thought, I always thought he was kind of a cool, sly, you know, kind of mysterious character. And um, I, I really thought that the music and just the way they presented him in this episode, this was everything I wanted this character to be in this show. Um, he's been there. I don't think he's been in the show enough. Um, that's been one of my complaints about the show. We kind of are jumping all over the place. We don't seem to have main focus as far as certain plot points, uh, Crosshair being one of them. It does seem like uh, toward the end of this series now, that is going to be a focus is, is Crosshair. But um, like Tom said, j- just when he looks and you just hear that strange music, it feels like you're watching a horror film and there's yeah. going to be this, you know, the the the, the Jason lur- lurking through the woods ch- chasing you. That's, <laughs> yes. that's what this character is supposed to be, and I love it. And I think by the end of this show, uh, whether I, I you know, like it better than Rebels or worse or wherever I rank it, I think Crosshair is going to come out. This is still one of them, probably one of my top five to ten favorite villains, possibly, depending wow. on how they, depending on how yeah. they execute the rest of his story. That's True. cool. And maybe he'll True. show up with a hockey mask. That would not be. <laughs> I, if, yeah, it, this it's it's this is a fun one. It, it's also fun for me. Uh, whenever Hera when Hera and Omega reunite, or when Chopper shows up again, it's just so cool. Like I love that they're peers. I love that they're both girls and they have a friendship, and they're yeah. both in positions of of power, taking charge. And it's very clear when Hunter, who's this you know, crack strategist and he's uh, a veteran of the clone wars. He says, Hera, let's hear your plan. And then we see this beautiful explanation. I know. I mean, I'm sure for all of us, it echoed rebels, right? Hera is usually always coming up with a plan. Yep. So of course 
Uh, they all have their turns soon. Ezra certainly is adept at it as is Sabine, but seeing it like this and how they respond. And I love Tom. There's like a, a brief moment where you, you're like, you're not sure where Hunter is going to go. And then he's like, it's a good plan. And then they just, they just talk it out. And at one point, eventually it's decided that the two children are going to go do their own thing. And it's, yeah. it's, so I guess he's not as worried about them keeping safe, but I don't think it's sad. I think it's more that he just trusts them and maybe he's trying to make up for his previous mistake. I don't know, Tom, what do you think? Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but I think I think even in the scene before that, there's a defining moment that that mm-hmm. may show that Hunter's gaining more trust in Omega because because he he does he does give the the nay. He's like, no, this there's too much cost. There's too much to this, and and Omega says she's trying to save her family, Hunter, and oh, then she says, yeah. I'd do the same for you. Mm-hmm. and he like it, it like hits inside and then in then there's a a bit with hauser but then it comes to hera and omega and i think this is this this ah oh, man this one gave me the chills mm-hmm. hera says to omega why do you trust him and she says because he's my brother yeah and i yeah. was like wait a minute wait a minute because this whole season we've been talking about them as father and daughter. And that statement to me sees that or, or implies that Omega is starting to see them as peers and less as, as uh, family structured. You know what I mean? Like a family of brothers rather than a father and uncle, like we've, you know, like we said throughout. So I'm like, okay, are we starting to see a change in family dynamics here with that? But I think all of that right there sets up the Hunter saying, okay, what's your plan? And I also think Hunter is starting to, I don't know, I go clear back to um, Rafa here when I don't remember the exact quote, but it's before she walks back onto her ship at the end, she says something about event. You're going to eventually choose a side. Mm-hmm. And I think we're starting to see that because nothing in this episode, even though Hera offers money, he never addresses the money issue with her. He's making a decision based on what's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. not what's going to keep us sustainable as a crew. Right. And that, and we know through the history of Star Wars, Han Solo was always doing things for money, but then all of a sudden it became less about the money and more about the people he cared about. And so, (laughs) less about the Benjamins and more about the Ben Solo. That exactly. So anyway, (laughs) that's, that's, (laughs) so that's my thought on like, why does, why does he change? I think he changes his mind because he's starting to see that sometimes you do things because it's the right thing to do, not because it's what you're getting paid to do. Right. And you don't, you, you can't worry about your safety. For one thing, you're, you're very well trained and there are people that need you. You know, we yeah. can't stick our necks out, but I, I still maintain that he doesn't believe that. Of course he's going to stick his neck out because he's a hero. He's yeah. A hero. Uh, so then they, they execute their plan, Hera and, we, we kind of passed over the part where Hauser goes to Chan's yeah. cell and tries to talk some sense 
into him from from his own point of view, I guess. But Blake, anything you want to say about that conversation when he goes to talk to the Sindulas by himself? Uh, yeah, you know what? I thought that was a pretty um, pretty interesting scene right there because yeah. you see two people or two two groups of people that are in very dire circumstances. You have Harris' parents there. Um, you understand why they feel the way they feel toward Hauser. Here he was, um, someone who was supposed to protect them in that planet and, and look look where they've ended up. So you understand them, uh, I guess you can say lashing out at him. Then mm-hmm. I, But at the same time, I felt very bad for Hauser. Um, this is someone who, like I said earlier in my comments about him, someone who's very conflicted and he wants to do what's right deep down. Um, and here he has the people who he does care about truly um, telling him, you know, why'd you do this? How, how could you let this happen? So you felt bad for him, but you understood where they were coming from too. I thought that was a very good scene because it just showed the turmoil that was internally going on within both of them. If you really listen to the dialogue and watch the beautiful animation of their faces and whatnot. Yeah. 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 Good point. Good point. So let's uh, speaking of good points. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we return, we're just going to talk all about Chopper. And I'm going to scream and laugh and giggle. This is Coffee with Kenobi. This is Vanessa Marshall, and you're listening to Coffee with Kenobi. With travel beginning to open up and Walt Disney World and Disneyland reaching full capacity, this is the time to book your Disney World vacation with MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Their signature service and expert advice will help clients maximize their vacation time and dollar. I use Becky Mankin and MEI's incredible services all the time, both for family and for travel for the show because of their no cost, no obligation quote when you use the service. Plus, they proactively adjust the booking if the rate goes down. Literally, I will wake up one morning and I will get an email from MEI saying that the price went down and I will get a refund sent to my credit card right away. I don't have to do anything. They help your family enjoy everything Galaxy's Edge and the Disney theme parks and the cruise lines have to offer. Can help you plan every detail and always share invaluable tips. That's for Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Lines, or other cruise lines. It doesn't have to be Disney-related. They literally can help you plan a vacation anywhere on the planet. Be sure to go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel and sign up for a free no-obligation quote to any of the Disney theme parks on the planet or any vacation that you have in mind. You'll have the best vacation possible and help out me and Coffee with Kenobi in the process. We are back, and now we're, we're knee-deep into the plan, Tom. And uh, yes. part of the plan is just a whole lot of vintage chopper goodness. Uh, walk us through their plan um, and just talk about the critical role that chopper has in this. I I, I mean, I used to joke that I was never going to get a chopper tattoo, but sometimes I'm, I'm, a, little, <laughs> I'm a little conflicted. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I think yeah. I think you should, Dan. I definitely think you should. And I'd be curious to know how you have his arms uh, positioned. If it's like flexing his muscles, oh, it's if gotta it's be flexed. shaking his I'll, fist. I'll put it right on the bicep right there, you know. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Oh, definitely. I will we'll talk to your wife about that. Yeah, okay. she's thrilled. Um thrilled. So, in a very in a I think it's super, super early Hera planning, as you mentioned earlier uh, before the break, that she's we create a diversion. 
Hera loves creating diversions to, to achieve a goal someplace else. How many times did she send Zeb and Ezra out to create a diversion so that Kanan could get in? But or send Chopper out to, to make a different, you know, she she's a master at that. And here we get to see her early, you know, one of her earliest plans, if not her very first major, uh, in fact, I'm guessing this is probably her first major um, plan. Yeah, so the idea is to, uh, to create a diversion at the refinery. And Chopper is crucial in this because he has to shut down the five gun turrets to allow um, uh, Hunter, no, uh, Tech and uh, Wrecker to fly in and start just blasting in, inside the... Um, the uh, the refinery. In the meantime, Echo and Hunter are going to um, shimmy up the, the wall of the I don't know what what the Capitol building or whatever, yeah. and get into rescue Cham, or yeah, and uh, and Hera and Omega are to oversee the operations of the diversion. So, I just that that moment when you see all of those droids coming down the <laughs> ramp of that shuttle, and you're like, "Oh my god!" I mean, look at how polished they are. All these astromechs and other like slick designed, and then <laughs> out of nowhere, from under the ramp comes. <laughs> And you just have to love it. And then he like dives off so that they can get their inspections. And then he comes around and uses his little blast to push up over the crease the in the, in the yeah. like, the, and then, uh, and then he just goes along and drops down into the trench. And my, you know what, you know what chopper choppers got to learn that you just can't be out loud grouchy because that's what got him discovered. He's over there in the terminal going, rah, 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 and the two clones come over and like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. Oh, Chopper. Chopper, someday you just got to do your business. And then he shot <laughs> them. Great. I, is yeah. there anything better than when they say, when they like they put their uh, blasters on him and he puts his hands up? Like, how yeah. many droids do you see do that? <laughs> and the fact that he just kind of skulks, like kind of sneaks in there like a little, like a little penguin at the end of a nature show. He's like the, the short runt that joins the others. It doesn't like anything like the rest of the astromechs. In fact, have we ever seen a unit like chopper in the history of star Wars? No. Like how could he not stand no. out? But he stands out for all the good reasons. Um, uh, Blake, anything you want to say about chopper before we move on? Oh, what's not the love about him. He's, he's absolutely great. I, I think aside from, um, I mean, R2-D2, obviously, who's number one, I think, for all of us. I mean, Chopper's got to be, you know, he's he's top three droids. He's my he, number one. He, he, he is yeah. fantastic. I absolutely yeah. love that scene. I thought it was really genius where they put that scene toward the middle of the episode. Uh -huh. So if you think about it, we've, we've talked about some some kind of heavy stuff so far. Yeah. Now here comes Chopper and the kids, and you have this moment of just hilarity. And it kind of uh, softened things up a little bit before it got serious again. And I, I love the scene with uh, Hera and Omega jumping in the ship when things were, uh, weren't quite going as planned. And all I could think about was every news story I've ever heard of some 10-year-old kid got his mama's car, drove down the street, <laughs> hit a couple of mailboxes. The cops pulled him over like three blocks away. That was, that was Hera's uh, uh, Star Wars moment in that. She didn't quite... Know, know how to handle that shit and we saw that but 
between them and then uh, Wrecker and uh, Tech showing up in in the ship. We had a fun little action sequence right there. It was cool to see Wrecker in the in the shooting a cannon from from yeah, a yeah. starship overall. But I really like uh, the music when Chopper flies into the shuttle. But Tom mm. um, and Blake just talked to us and did a great job. Talk talked to us um, also about Hera's first experience as a pilot in the previous episode. She'd never taken off or landed before but now she's yeah. all in and tech has this great line do you remember the line i wrote it down oh, i've got it written down i have a star next oh, to it and i was about to say hey dan <laughs> please you do. please please talk please about it save that so yeah. first of, but what i want to say before we get to that line is you know so go back to last episode when um uh oh uncle um go goatee it, yeah yeah when he's he says to her we get a little preview of this he says oh hera you know taking off and landing or two, okay. you know, and so they don't let her do that, but she flies. So here we see why he didn't let Hera take off because man, she took out that other shuttle right next. That <laughs> was wonderful. That's it was even new, though, though, yeah, even though this was, uh, this was her first time taking off. It was a little funny, even though there's, there's still some peril there. But before I get to the line, when tech and wrecker fly in, and you you alluded to this, uh, Blake, and I just want to want to give it a little bit more, and that is, Tex flying there. I mean, he zips in and wings that thing around to put Wrecker into position to start doing some causing some mayhem. And I just really appreciated that little that little technical piece of flying by Tech because I really, as you know, he is still my favorite Bad Batch. Even though we haven't really had any centric uh, episodes around him, he's cru- he's been crucial on every single one. Mm. But Harris says as they're as they're is it's feeling like there's a little bit of relief that they've succeeded in this. She says, uh, Harris says to echo, we're getting the hang of this. And, t- and she says it on the radio. So tech tech chimes and says, yes, your dangerous and uncontrollable maneuvers are as confusing to them as it is. to us." <laughs> Wasn't that fantastic? I howled with laughter. I howled with laughter when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a precious guy i love i love his matter of factness to that to everything to i hope everything. he that, i hope that character never changes because he has just been gold one-liners this whole series <laughs> and oh i think gosh. that that one was number one so far for me i absolutely die laughing just like the rest of you did during that yeah moment. totally agree and, and i also thought it was kind of cool like the fact that she's dangerous and uncontrolled maneuvers i think it was a nice sort of a foreshadowing of She's not going to start doing that on purpose. Like it's just instinctual for her. She's that good. She yeah. confuses them. We haven't talked about this yet, but she's the, the her plan is the first time we've ever seen Crosshair surprise. Yeah. Whenever he's about to ambush the bad batteries, hunting them down, he can always say, "Wait a minute, this is what they're doing." He's right, but mm-hmm. he couldn't predict Tara, and nope. her dangerous, uncontrolled maneuvers are a great sign or harbinger of what she's going to be. And I thought that was super, super cool. And they did it in kind of they played it for laughs, but I, I really like that a lot um hauser uh then has the moment for a lot of us it was our number one moment of the episode Mm -hmm. blake i'm gonna let you take this one and feel free to weigh in tom on this as well but talk about hauser trying to warn cham and then his speech to his brothers yeah, so we we have uh, the rest of the Bad Batch are able to get Harris' parents, and um, Hauser knows that there there's a trap waiting outside for them outside mm-hmm. that that main uh, escape door they were going to use, 
And um, here he is. He, he's again now confronting uh, these people he, he swore he would protect. And this time he's able to convince them through his uh, speech to them. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was enough for them to know that he really does care and, and love that family, that planet, and, and his uh, original cause. And um, so they're able to, to um, you know, take a, a plan B, a plan B route. And then the, the, like you said, Dan, this, this next moment was, has been number one for, I think almost everyone I've talked to who's seen this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there we have a Hauser. He walked right out and the clones are kind of shocked. They're like, Whoa, this is, this is supposed to be you know, the bad batch and the prisoners. And even uh, crosshair is taken back a little bit. And um, yeah. he's able to give that speech of, you know, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? This is the place we were supposed to protect and look what's happened. And um, we see half half of his garrison, not all of them, but half of them, you see they agree. And you see that, that conflict finally come to an end with, with Hauser. And um, it really opens up a, a lot of questions, not, not to speculate, obviously, but um, you wonder where else in the galaxy is this exact same thing happening now with these, mm-hmm. these cone troopers. Um, this is this one scene has led to a lot of very interesting uh, conversation among fans. I've noticed, and um, you just wonder, you know, is this going to be the start of a clone versus imperial uprising? Possibly. Uh, do I think season one of Bad Batch will tackle that? No, I, I think the storytelling's been a little safe. But uh, if there's a season two, I think they're possibly setting up something really great. And I thought it was just a, a wonderful moment. And I've, I've heard elsewhere I, uh, people who are uh, military who have seen this episode, and they're like, you know, it, when I was overseas, I, these are feelings I felt. So it's hitting certain people wow. you know, right in, right in the heart, right in the feels with th- this moment. And um, I don't know about you guys, but there was a, a lot of tension too because Crosshair is looming over them this whole time gun ready and i thought he was going to take him out at that moment once he started his speech did you guys think that either yeah of course absolutely i did because he's been ruthless and heartless through the whole thing yeah so that i love that and and it's cool thanks for sharing that about um real people in the military because of course i had writer this jennifer she she is she's she's in the navy she was she's you know a formal former uh officer in the navy i don't know she's an officer but she's formerly in the navy and so there's some there's a, some real realism there. Hauser says he warns Chamney and Chan's like you got to come with us because you're not going to be safe. And he says I can't abandon my squad. Tom, yeah. what is the deal with this amazing character and why isn't the chip affecting him? That's I, the million dollar know. question, isn't I it? I just I keep going back to he he. The only thing I can think is the chip. The chip impacted the clones to eliminate the Jedi. The only thing I can think, and as I mentioned last, last uh, when our discussion in the last episode, is there weren't any Jedi around when Order sixty six was laid out. So he has nothing to be. He has nothing that set him off. Is the only thing I can think. Well, and, think about this though: when they were getting all their chips removed, record there were no Jedi there, and record tried to kill his friends. Well, but, but oh, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean. You know, I, I if, don't if you go what... against whatever the orders are, you're a traitor. That I mean, they they say that repeatedly. So but it does I, seem, yeah, 
I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt there. No, please don't. Um, go ahead. But there does seem to be with certain clothes, certain levels of, of hesitancy they can have toward these chips. I mean, if we think back to the, the final arc of Clone Wars, right when Order 66 wa was ordered, uh, we saw Rex. I mean, he did turn on Ahsoka, but you did see that that brief second where he's he's shaking, he's quivering. He, there's a minute he can, uh, a second, he can just hold back just enough to give her that warning to yep. get away. Yep. So they do have the ability to so some of them more so than others we've seen, but have the ability to to have a uh, more free will, I guess you could say. Hmm. And you never know, maybe the, these chips um, that that um, diehard soldier imperial mentality maybe it wears mm. off after a while for some people. We don't know. We don't have answers for that. But I don't know that that, that one moment. I love this conversation because this is what Star Wars is all about. This fun, nerdy speculation of what it's all about. I'm just, I'm loving this right now. Well, I have to say, the Hauser is a hero in my eyes, yes. through and through. And I, I have to say, the tipping point was when he went to say and make the appeal to Cham in the prison, and he says, "I'm trying to help you. Can you tell me where Hera would be hiding?" And I have to say, I was still kind of on the balance of. Can we trust him? Because he just we, he just was in the room with with Rampart and Crosshair was in there and Crosshair turns, looks at him, and walks threatening past him. So I thought, is is Hauser gonna make like is Hauser gonna make a power play to get position and reestablish himself as you know an Imperial clone, save his save his soul, whatever. But and so I was like, oh my gosh, do we trust him? Do we not trust him? And Chan chooses not to trust him at that point. But then here he does in this instance. But my favorite line to his brothers is, and I may not have it word for word, but after his whole thing, what are we doing? We came to free Ryloth, all of, all of that. He says, I will not be a part of it any longer. Throws his weapon down. Man, I what that's where I thought that's where I thought Crosshair was gonna have it. Mm -hmm. That's that's where I when he threw his weapon down, mm -hmm. I thought I thought Hauser's done. But and so the I guess part of the question is why doesn't Crosshair take him down? Exactly. But I just I oh I so badly wanted this, and I, I think maybe I wanted I wanted to do it more <laughs> myself than the than I want to see the other I wanted to salute him. I'm not military. I'm not trying to pretend to be military, but I felt that. I felt that like raising of the flag moment when he said that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, this is the kind of person it takes to start a rebellion. Yep. Super is, is, and so, oh, I keep my fingers crossed that we're not done with Hauser. I suspect we are, but how, oh man, that's, this is how rebellions start. And he got half of them. See, that's that's great. And I don't think we're done with Hauser by a long shot. Oh, I, I still that. maintain I wouldn't be surprised if he became a member of the Bad Batch. I, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll find out about that. See, here's the thing, though. Um, if there is a shadow of possibility that the inhibitor chip gives you a, a possibility for free will, even if at great cost or struggle, then Order 66 doesn't mean the same thing. At least it doesn't to me. Mm -hmm. Because... That means you could resist it. I think part of the tragedy of Order 66 is that you don't have a choice because Palpatine's goal is to take away your free will. He says that he wants you to have uh, freedom and peace, but he really wants is you to have freedom from from agency or or having any kind of options at all. Because yeah. yeah, he wants to take all that away, which is what he does. 
So the the idea of it's expiring that you both mentioned, I think, is interesting. I love that there's a mystery here. I love that we don't know, and I hope that we see a little uh, less of. I have no choice. I am a, I'm a programmed robot to the empire, and someone that I don't know. I just don't know, and I love yeah. I love that. I'm sure we're out for a great explanation. I have, I have a lot of faith in it. A lot of faith. I, any any of my last minute thoughts on that part? Yeah, I, I was just going to say. You know, we we saw earlier on in the in the season something I desperately wish they would go go back to is this the story on Camino. Um, yeah. We all know that Tarkin is now, you know, feeling both sides of what the empire is going to do as far as their military goes. Are mm-hmm. they going to continue this contract with the people on Camino, or are they going to stick with this recruit thing? And I'm wondering if, I mean, I'm sure there's, we'll get an answer to the, the whole chip thing and why they're doing what they're doing. But I think maybe this scene could be, them setting up Tarkin being like, Oh, this is how the clones are going to act. Well, if that's the case, we're going all recruits and goodbye Camino. Goodbye clones. I mean, that yep. was set up earlier on in this story. We haven't touched it at all since the first half of the season, but you wonder if this is going to be laying the groundwork for something very tragic to be happening. Little I'm, clone I'm af- revolt. I'm afraid. I'm afraid you might be right. I, mean, yeah. I guess we'll yep. see. So yeah, a great speech. The only thing we didn't mention before we talk about uh, them leaving uh, is when Rampart and Crosshair and Hauser are talking, uh, Crosshair says something about underestimating the Bad Batch. And then Rampart says, I think I've underestimated you. And then Crosshair looks kind of uncomfortable. And when he walks by Rampart, I didn't take it as threatening. I can't think, take it as kind of like he's trying to figure out what the heck just happened. Uh, I need to prove myself kind of a thing. But what did he mean that he that he underestimated uh, Crosshair? I, I was a little thrown by that. I wonder if it has something to do with he suspects he was um, part of that that plot of that assassination in the previous episode. Um, we saw, like I said earlier on, he's he's conflicted. He's also very suspicious of the scummy ways of you know how the Empire is doing things. So when I heard that, that's kind of what ran through my head. I I may not be right, but uh, oh, you mean from from Hauser's perspective? Yeah, Hauser's perspective. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, don't be sorry. That makes sense to me. What but what about from Crosshair's perspective? Not sure. I guess <laughs> he's a tough cookie to crack, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I guess the way I I guess the way I read that uh, that I underestimated you is that Rampart didn't think that the bad batch was as formidable as they are. And knowing that Crosshair was part of the bad batch. Oh. And now he sees how formidable he's kind of looking at Crosshair like, I've underestimated you. I haven't given you enough power, which foreshadows the end of the episode. Hmm. Um, the, see, their last. I like that. I yeah. like that. that see, Tom sense. just gave the right answer. Ignore what I said. That was perfect. No, 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 no. Said. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like what you said, Blake, because it because yeah. it made me think about something different from Hauser. So no, I think that was great. Both both great choices. See, this is why I had I get the best of the best on here, man, because I know they're going to teach me things <laughs> and, and make us make us all think, which is wonderful. So at the end of this, uh, they do it really quickly. But if you look. Uh, as they're as they're like as a far shot of the the entire group of heroes, Hera high fives Wrecker, which I mean, come on, that's the best thing ever. <laughs> I love that Wrecker high fives people. That's just the best. <laughs> um, and then uh, Hera Hunter refuses payment, which I thought 
uh, was a wonderful moment, Tom, of just Hunter clearly showing us that, you know, earlier when I said, you know, I'm not putting my neck out. I actually am a good dude. And of course I'm a good dude. And I'm, I just can't, you know, he's got to pick a side. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. And, and Hunter is yeah. not falling for stuff. The fact that he doesn't take the money, I think is super cool. And uh, mm-hmm. I would have expected nothing less. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I just some cool. Said, they're, they're talking about having their own battles. So he says, "I've got yeah. my own battle, so I can't help." But I, I just mm-hmm. can't imagine Tom how much longer Hunter is going to believe that. I think. I think. I think he believes it, but his rhetoric doesn't follow yet. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that needs to change in Hunter is for him to say it out loud. Because he refuses the payment and he says, I've got my own family to look after, which then the camera goes to Omega and the other Bad Batch. But Hera is also standing there. I I don't know what to make of that exactly other than Hera and Omega haven't parted ways. But he Mm -hmm. says, I have my own family to look at after. And it's it's Cham's line, I believe, that, that says a lot, he says. And it's, it's again, you know, then you talk about all the time in, in the, the hero's journey that there's the call to action. How many times has Hunter heard the call to action? And mm-hmm. here it is again, because Cham says, if a war is coming, you'll need it to protect them. Right. And then, and then we learn that Tech has taught Hera another, another trick of flying I love that Hera is learning from them. Hera learns from Omega that flying, there's a feeling to flying, not, mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. But but in their conversation, Hera is learning from uh, from Omega that there's a technical, not only that there's a technical side, but then Hera sh- shares that. Well, here, Tech is teaching Hera, and I forget what it was, to how to cloak a, a, sh- a ship or something like that. Uh, um, uh, yeah. How, now, how do I um... find how to like um, scramble their signal so it can't get. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so, um, but Hunter refusing payment ties into my final thought. So I'll, I'll save any further comment on that. Okay. Um, Hera calls Omega, her co-pilot. And then we get the scene that you guys talked about where uh, um, Crosser says request permission to hunt them down. They don't, they don't actually say why, why he doesn't order him to kill them. Doesn't order them to capture them. He just says, I'm going to hunt him down. And he's like, permission granted. Uh, Blake, anything you want to say about those last few points, or do you want to give your final thoughts? Oh, no, I, I'd like to expand on, on that last scene, because that Great. was um, that was another very emotional uh, moment for me. Um, we've had many moments like that with Omega throughout the, uh, the season so far. Um, we have these little emotional moments with her through you know, certain episodes. And the one with this one was saying goodbye to Hera. Here you have this this young girl who's on this this crazy wild journey. She didn't have a normal upbringing, and now she's made a friend, and she's already having to say goodbye to this friend. And you you felt for her. You could see the sadness in her face. Um, there's a little bit of hope. Maybe they'd see each other again. I think Hera said something of the sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really hit me. Um, as far as the money goes from Hunter, um, I didn't think about that actually. I'm happy you guys brought that up. I think the fact that he turned it down was very noble of him. Um, he could have very, very, he has a, you know, they refer to them as mercenaries now, basically. He could have very easily done the greedy thing and, and taken the payment and, and left. But we know that they're, they're, uh, the money they owed Sid is paid off. They're mm-hmm. basically free men, and they just, he wanted to do the right thing uh, for, um, 
Hera and her family. Um, but the one thing I wanted to ask you is you both actually, since you're both fathers with Omega, I said there's been a lot of, um, you know, little emotional moments like we had with the goodbye. Um, do moments like the one we had in this episode with you guys having, having kids, I, I don't, I'm not a parent myself. Um, how have those scenes as parents in this episode and throughout the series with Omega affected you guys from a parent's perspective? I mean, I, for me, I, I love, I love them and they, they resonate and ring extremely true. Mason loves Omega. She's one of his favorite characters. And I, I just think there's an authenticity to it that along with the Mandalorian and Grogu, but this one even more so really um, just, just feels like authentic compassion and love. And I, I just think uh, it makes me like, I've always liked Hunter, but it makes me love Hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and well, Dan, we have been, we have been labeled psychologists of, That's of true. Star Wars. And so I think <laughs> we're qualified to, That's right. yes, we're qualified to uh, answer this question. And uh, <laughs> Dan, I, w- I would say exactly that, that, you know, it's authentic. It is fully authentic. There've been so many moments throughout this season that we have said, we have been in this position. We have been, but I will say, I feel like this episode takes a departure from that. And it comes in, in, Omega is maturing and she is, I don't know. She's, she's beyond her years as a mm-hmm. child. Oh yeah. And, and, and when she calls, when she calls Hunter and the rest of the bad batch brothers, I felt like that she was putting herself more on a level of peers than, than a child. And so I'm not sure what I make of that yet. I want to see more, before I make a, you know, a definitive decision as to the, 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 the father daughter relationship has gone. I don't think it is. I just think it's in the context of, of Hera being around, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And as a father, I know my kids are different when they're around friends. (laughs) And, uh, and so maybe that's the impact. I guess, I guess time will tell uh, as the next few episodes come around, but I'm starting to see sort of a drift from that. Um, hmm. And there was one other thing. And then, and then outside as viewers, I think my daughter has stopped short of saying that Omega is one of her favorite characters in star Wars. But I think if I pressed it and I l- literally came out and said, rank Omega with Ahsoka and uh, Ray and others, I think she would struggle to uh to give me an answer on that because i think i think omega really resonates with my daughter who's 14 so i i look for it is super super cool and uh and so and i quite frankly i think she also really likes fennec shad too really oh yeah yeah, That's I think cool. she re- she relates to her as a bounty hunter. So I don't know. That's I, I I can't wait to have a conversation with her as this all starts wrapping up because she abs- I think oh I think Ahsoka's her favorite, hands down. But I think Omega in a different way becomes a different kind of a favorite for her. That's but cool. I'm, I'm curious. I can't wait to see that. And I and I love that as a father. Yeah. Oh, I did. That's that's great. Yeah, I like that too. Um, all right. Well, you guys uh, promised earlier. Yep. Uh, that you were going to talk about if you were going to modify your grade. I'm not going to change mine. I still think it's a name minus. I, there's a lot of things I think are really cool about this episode. I've talked about a lot. I didn't gush about Chopper as much as I could, but I mean, there's just some fun, 
um, you know, comedic moments there that you mentioned, Blake, which is kind of a nice way to kind of break up some of the intensity that was going on throughout. So, um, Blake, we'll start with you since you're the one who first uh, promised us uh, a potential change <laughs> uh, or lowering or what have you. So, so what say you, good sir? Uh, this is why I shouldn't make promises because my, my my score is exactly the same. It's still a B plus. Perfect. But I, I will say I I, um, I expected an A plus conversation, and that's exactly what we oh. got tonight. I I knew. Oh. Yeah, there we go. You like that one? Oh. Yeah. That's very nice. That's right. That's right. That's I love nice. I love this episode, even though it's a B plus for me. The just the conversation as as diehard Star Wars fans. Uh, with the character moments and the the, the small plot points, what were we able to expand off them? Um, it, it was great. I, I absolutely loved it, and I loved the way it ended with now um, Crosshair going to be chasing them, being that that big bad guy in the shadows now. Um, hopefully that happens more often. So I, I like where this episode left off. Um, I think it's going to be a, a wild ride here, the last couple episodes. But uh, yeah, still a B plus, but a solid, solid episode. Absolutely loved it. One of your one of your favorites, is it fair to say, for the season? For for even for uh, less than a grade, yes, this is a top five episode for me. Maybe even top three. Nice, good, nice, good. All right, Tom. Any last minute thoughts? Cool. Yes, my final thought is this, and I'll talk about my grade a little bit because mine does change. Um, my final thought is like last episode. I said I felt like um, last episode was a transitionary. Uh, episode of a transition from Clone Wars to Rebels. I think this episode, and it's it's interesting, and, I, and whether it's intentional or not, I don't know, but it's how my mind makes sense of it. Um, it's interesting that that after that transitionary period, we get an episode like this that makes me feel like Clone Force 99 and the Bad Batch, especially Hunter and Blake. You just mentioned that they they were called mercenaries in this in this uh, episode. Um, I feel like this is the episode where Hunter, as the leader of the Bad Batch or Clone Force 99, is making the transition from mercenaries. And we're doing our thing, because not because it's right or because it's wrong. We're doing it because it's, we're getting paid for it. And he's making that transition too. And I'm going to stop short of saying becoming part of a rebellion, but that's the direction he's headed. It's a more altruistic um viewpoint from him and and as i said and not taking the money it's he, he's he's made it in his heart his his mouth his words are not saying it yet but he's uh that's the next step and i think we're gonna see that they're gonna play an important role in some level of being a real thorn in the empire side with all that said i think what i was expecting it from this episode and i said the title i was disappointed i gave it a not, not disappointed i you know be still a good grade but when i look at the title of rescue and ryloth i was expecting action from 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 second one till the last second of the episode. And that's not what this episode was all about. In our conversation today, and my second viewing of it and taking a more analytical look at this, I think where I was disappointed in the lack of, of action was more a, a episode of intensity, which sort of left me feeling flat in the first viewing. Hmm. Second viewing, this, as Blake, you mentioned, A-plus conversation, changed my mind that this episode is, like last episode, a solid a episode. Oh, wow. wow. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that. I, uh, 
Yeah, I don't really have much else to add. I, I I loved it. I thought it was very cool. It was, it was one of the more fun episodes, seeing the evolution of Hera as a as a future leader. Uh, and I, I I like Hunter so much, and I think he's good enough of a character. And I think the 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 groundwork, the foundation is there for him to really evolve into something extra special. So I hope that we see kind of an end of the conflict of, I don't know if I want to get involved because he keeps getting involved. I mean, and who are we kidding? And I'm surprised they're not calling him on it. I guess what I'm trying to say is he would make a great glacier because he's moving so slowly. And I, and I want him, I want him to get to that next level. And I know that's part of the drama intention. And yep. I think the storytellers here are doing a fantastic job. Indeed. Agreed. Listening to Coffee with Kenobi, you are with Dan Z, the podcast you're looking for. This is. <laughs> As we near the end of the show today, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking time out of your busy schedule to have a cup of coffee with me and for helping to spread the word about our Star Wars family we've got here at Coffee with Kenobi. Be sure to tune in Monday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live at www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash live or www.facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi and have a cup of coffee, tea, or any beverage of your choosing with me as we continue the conversation. To join us in the CWK Cafe, which is our Facebook group, and share your Star Wars thoughts comments, reviews, and opinions in a family-friendly, spoiler-free place that is also drama-free. Go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash community and be part of the conversation, talk about this week's show, or just talk about some Star Wars. We have a lot of fun and you'll make some new friends as well as catch up with longtime friends along the way. I also want to thank all of the new and longtime members of the CWK Alliance and let you know how much I appreciate your help and encouragement. If you want to join the CWK Alliance, go to www.cwkalliance.com and sign up today. Not only will you help out Coffee with Kenobi, but you also get access to CWK Porover, the exclusive weekly podcast not heard anywhere else. It's a great way to support and help out the show, and 10% of your monthly contributions go directly to the St. Jude Children's Hospital to support the incredibly important work they are doing to help these brave children and their families. Plus, contributors at the CWK All-Star level can watch a video podcast of CWK Pour Over hosted by me, Tom Gross, and Corey Club. Feel free to reach out anytime if you have any questions. In addition to being part of the community on Facebook, please don't forget to visit our website at www.coffeewithkenobi.com for Star Wars news, announcements, reviews, videos, and so much more. If you have a question for me or just want to share your thoughts on the air, feel free to email me at danz at coffeewithkenobi.com and I'll share them on the show. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Mr. Zare, M-R-Z-E-H-R, or on Instagram at CWK. There are also a lot more ways to connect with me and Coffee with Kenobi on social media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash coffeewithkenobi. Check us out on Pinterest or subscribe to our Coffee with Kenobi YouTube channel. On our YouTube channel, you can find Facebook Live video, different interviews throughout the years, highlights of video coverage throughout the Coffee with Kenobi history, and the audio podcast itself. You can order my book, The Star Wars Book, which I co-wrote with Lucasfilm's Pablo Hidalgo and Cole Horton on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Books A Million, Walmart, or anywhere books are sold. 
You can also find my writing on Coffee with Kenobi's website, as well as StarWars.com, where I am an official blogger there, and on IGN, where I contribute occasionally to articles about Star Wars, as well as other popular culture topics. If you are considering starting a podcast or a blog, let me know how I can help you get started and make your creative vision a reality. Be sure to check out danzymedia.com and we can get the process started. I am also available to come to your school, conference, business, or organization to talk about how to tap into your strengths and help you bring out your very best. I want to inspire you to be inspired so you can take that first step into a larger world. Thanks, as always, to our Coffee with Kenobi sponsors, especially MEI and Mouse Fan Travel, our travel partner, and your one-stop shop for all things Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Lines, or anywhere on the planet you want to go on your vacation. Please go to www.coffeewithkenobi.com slash mousefantravel to book your magical vacation and help support Coffee with Kenobi in the process. If you like the show, please tweet out that you're listening, share it on Facebook, or invite your friends and family to tune in and share a cup of coffee with us. And if the force is especially with you, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show on iTunes or Google Podcasts. Every review makes a huge difference and helps to spread the word. And I can't thank you enough for your help, for your support, and your friendship. I love so much being a part of this wonderful Star Wars community, and I can't thank you enough for all that you do for me and Coffee with Kenobi. All right, well, speaking of fantastic jobs, it was fantastic having both of you on, of course, talking about Star Wars The Bad Batch. Blake, we're going to start with you. Where can people reach out to you if they want to continue the conversation and pick your brains about Star Wars or just say hello? Uh, Facebook's the best place for me. The only reason I have a Facebook is to talk to you guys and talk Star Wars with (laughs) my fellow Star Wars fans. And that's not a lie. That's the only reason I have Facebook is to talk Star Wars. And I'm very active on the uh, Coffee with the Community, uh, Coffee with Kenobi uh, pages. We have a lot of fun on there. We have the best community in Star Wars. That's that's not an exaggeration. I really do. So if anyone wants to uh, reach out to me and talk Star Wars, Facebook's the best place to do it. Yeah, Blake is a, a regular in the CWK Cafe, our Facebook group, and yeah. one of my absolute rocks uh, for Facebook Live. So I really, I really appreciate you, man. Good to see you. It was great to hang out with you face-to-face a couple of weeks ago, you and the missus. That was so fun. Yep, come on back down here to Florida and bring Tom with you next time you do it. All right, it's a date. It's a date. Tom, where can everybody reach out to you and uh, find your work? Oh, yes. Well, you can, uh, on social media, the best place to find me there is, um, oh, let's see, on uh, Twitter at DraftLine. Uh, that's that's a good place. And, you know, I don't really ever talk about Facebook, but I'm, I, I, I check in on the, uh, the CWK uh, Facebook page every now and then. And so you can you can find me there from time to time. Uh, I did post for Patreon fans just recently. I posted one of my top five summer snacks that we enjoyed this week. So Saw you that. can see that. Um, but then you can also uh, find my thoughts and writings on Star Wars and many, many other topics on my blog, Seeking Positivity in the Galaxy. This podcast is not endorsed by the Walt Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names, sounds, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Disney and their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Coffee with Kenobi unless otherwise indicated. This is the podcast you're looking for. There's no one here.